Well, welcome to Sojourn. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here and grateful to be able to gather together this morning. As Theodore said earlier, if this is your first time here, uh, we're glad that God brought you to be here today. We'd love to be able to meet you uh, and get you connected here in the life of this church. For those of you that are regularly here, it's good to see you as well. Always look forward to gathering together on Sundays. We're going to be in the Bible as we are every week during this time. And so if you need a copy of the Bible, just raise your hand. We'll have a few folks bring a Bible around to you. Just keep your hand up till they find you this morning. And please feel free to take that home with you uh, as a gift. If you don't actually own a copy of the scriptures, we want you to have God's word in your hands to be able to read uh, all throughout the week. And man, I just want to say real quick before we jump in this morning, I'm just thankful for, uh, for my brother Edward who preached last week for the first time here. I know it was an encouragement to many of you, an encouragement to me as well on so many different levels. So brother, thank you so much for faithfully preaching God's word last week. And uh, he didn't break anything when he was up here, which is awesome. He was a little concerned he might kick the podium off the stage or something in excitement, uh, but he controlled himself, uh, which is good. But man, so grateful just to have men uh, help us in the pulpit ministry, just believing that God's word, the preaching of God's word is such an important part of our gathering together and our ability just to know Christ and follow him. So grateful for, for that time last week. As we get into our time in God's word today, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time. Father, we're grateful that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so, Father, we come before you, our faithful God, and we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would use our time in your word this morning to help us to set our gaze on you, to set our focus, our affections, our attention on that which is worthy of all worship. You, our God, our almighty creator, our holy God, who's made himself known to us as we look around in creation and as we open up your revealed word. And so I pray that as we open up your word this morning, that you would allow us to receive what you have for us, that we'd be attentive this morning. We do pray that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction and encouragement, that whatever is going on in our life right now, whether good or bad, whether we're focused very much on you or distracted in life, I pray that our attention this morning right now would be focused on you and you would allow us to hear from you today. And that no matter where we find ourselves on our spiritual journey, that you would draw us closer to you. Bring life in this room this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in us and through us for your glory and for our good. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week uh, and weekend, Amy and I were actually out of town. We got to go uh, out of town to my cousin's wedding down in Florida, and we got to go without our kids. And it was just a really great time. I love my kids, but it's been a little while since the two of us have been able to get away, just the two of us without them over the last few years. And so we, we took a little bit of a longer time down there just to hang out and rest and relax at the beach and didn't have to worry about anybody eating sand or drowning. So we were able just to sit and focus and read and relax on the beach. It was just a refreshing time for us. And it had been quite a while since I'd gone to this particular beach in Florida, probably about 20 years or so since I'd actually been to this part of Florida and spent time on that beach. But there's something about going to a familiar and refreshing place. There's something 
about it when you arrive, things that you haven't seen in a while, things you haven't experienced in a while, just kind of come back to the forefront of your mind, the places, the smells, the sights, the sounds, certain foods, certain restaurants maybe you enjoyed or liked before. And as we sat there on the beach with pretty amazing weather that week, looking over the sand and the ocean, pretty, a pretty ideal time, we thought, man, I could, I could stay here for a while. I could stay here for a while. Well, today we're starting a new sermon series. And we're starting a new sermon series in one of my absolute favorite books of the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, like the beach, is a familiar and refreshing place for me. It's a, it's a book that I love to go back to over and over again. And Amy and I, even about 10 years ago, spent time in a, a small group Bible study studying through the book of Hebrews verse by verse. And we can still remember conversations and discussions we had as we spent time just sitting and soaking in God's Word and community with other people. And so I love going back to this book, being refreshed by it. And as I was thinking and praying about what God would have for us this year as we preach through His Word, as we open up the Scriptures together, Hebrews kept coming to mind for me. Believing that God wanted to use this time in His Word over the next several months to walk through this amazing book to encourage us and help us and refresh us. Because the book of Hebrews is a rich, soul-stirring refreshing book. It's full of encouraging and practical truth. It's, it's strange and intriguing and mysterious at times. It's convicting and challenging. I mean, it comforts and calls us to something greater than ourselves. The book of Hebrews is a stabilizing and stalwart book that unifies the storyline of the Bible together. It's a gift to you and to me, and it's God's Word for us. And so I'm really excited for us as a church to spend a good chunk of time walking verse by verse through this amazing book. And my guess is, is that for some of you this morning, this is a familiar piece of Scripture, and so my hope is for you that it, it provides that place of refreshment. Like going back to a familiar place again and just being reminded of things that you love and know to be good and true. And for others of you, you maybe you've never heard of the book of Hebrews before. Or maybe you've heard of it and you haven't spent much time in it. And so I want to invite you along. I want to invite you along on this journey to this familiar place for some of us, but this refreshing place for all of us, that you also would be encouraged as we spend time. I want to invite you on this journey, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Because I don't know what brought you here today. I don't know what brought you here, but I know who brought you here. Our amazing, awesome, active, attentive God. And I believe, as we'll see in our time in His Word today, that He has something to say to you. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into the first few verses of Hebrews. If you have your Bible, go ahead and flip open to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews is towards the end of your Bible in the New Testament. One of the last books. So Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, but spend our time focusing just on verses 1 through 3. This is God's Word to us this morning. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God 
in the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. In some ways, today is going to be a bit of an introduction to Hebrews because these first few verses in the book of Hebrews really serve to be a kind of prologue to the book, kind of setting up the, 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 the themes of this book, introducing some of those key themes that are going to be teased out and blown up more and more as we walk through the book of Hebrews. One interesting thing about Hebrews is that we don't actually know who wrote it. We don't know who the actual human author is. Some think it was Paul, some think it was Apollos, and some others that wrote this book. But in some ways, I think that's good, because what stands out above and beyond who the human author is, is who the divine author is, and who this book is about, and the central theme of this whole entire book that's focused on Jesus. The book of Hebrews was likely written to Jewish Christians who had been converted to start following Jesus, but at this point in time were being tempted to go back towards Judaism, believing that they had to follow the law in order to earn favor with God. And so the author of Hebrews is writing to them to encourage them to stay the course, to hold fast to the faith that they have in Christ. But this book is also for you and for me, regardless whether or not you have Jewish heritage or not. Because the reality is, for you and for me, at different points and times in our life, we are tempted to find our hope in something else or someone else besides Jesus. To to feel like we have to earn our favor with God or do something in order to receive blessing from Him. Whether it's religious activity or just complete irreligion. Whether we believe that we have to follow certain rules and check certain boxes to be close to God, or maybe we've rejected that altogether, and we just want to live our life based off our own standards, believing that's what will make us happy and whole. But even in this prologue, these few short verses that we're going to look at today that will set up the whole book of Hebrews, there are some important truths for all of us today, no matter where we find ourselves on that journey Very simply put, these few verses are the first words about the last word. So let's walk through these verses and see what we can mine out of this text today. This text starts off like the beginning of an epic tale, and that's exactly what it is. This is an epic tale, a story to be told, but it's not a fictional story that starts off with things that are fictional in nature. This is true. This is God's story about him, about who he is, and about our lives and relationship with him. And it starts off saying, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke. And man, can we just stop right there? I mean, that's a huge statement. God spoke. See, so many times in our lives, we are looking for a word. We're looking for someone to tell us what to do to tell us what to think, to tell us how to understand and interpret the life and the world that we find ourselves in. And our world is full of ideas. It's full of voices to answer our deepest questions. Our world never stops speaking to us and speaking at us and sharing ideas and telling us what to believe. But really, it's just a jumbling of words. 
It's a jumbling of thoughts and ideas. It reminds me of, of when I'm at home and Amy and I are trying to, to talk to each other, maybe across the house a little ways. We're, we're trying to have somewhat of a conversation, but all three of our kids are also talking to us and at us at the same time, and we can't really hear from one another. There's too much noise going on. But what if, amidst the myriad of noises in your life, there was a clear and clarion voice? What if there was a voice that rose above and beyond anything and everything else this world throws at you? A voice that is consistent and caring and clarifying. Wouldn't you want to listen to it? Wouldn't you want to hear it? See, this isn't an isolated instance. Verse 1 of Hebrews tells us there is this voice, and it's the voice in the words of the living God. And he doesn't speak just once. This is a long tale of cosmic proportion. And it isn't inconsequential word from God. It isn't an isolated story. Our God is a verbal God. He spoke all of creation into existence by the very word of his mouth. He brought everything that is into being out of nothing just by speaking. Our holy and almighty creator is speaking to us. That's amazing if we stop, slow down enough just to consider that. Because the reality is God is not obligated to speak to you or to me. He's not obligated to do that. If he hadn't done that or doesn't do that, then we are all utterly lost. Unsure of who we are unsure of what our purpose is and why the world is the way it is, unsure of how and why we even exist. But church, He has spoken. Our God is not distant or uninvolved in our world. He's not uninvolved in your life. He is personally and intimately involved. When it says He has spoken and He has done so at many times and in many ways, he spoke to our fathers, to the generations of His people, of His family, of our faith family. Through the thousands of years that He's been speaking to them, He's spoken through them through the prophets. He's given inspiration by the Holy Spirit through the agency of people like Moses and David and Isaiah. And we have His written Word. We have the Bible. He has graciously revealed Himself to us in and through His living and active Word. We understand His character and His will and His ways. We understand His grace and His justice and His mercy and His love and His rescue and His redemption. See, the Bible is not merely words about God. It is God's Word to us. And it carries with it authority that brings hope and life. God's Word is revealing, it's life-giving, it's restoring, it's redeeming. By it, you understand who He is. By His Word, you understand who you are. Psalm 36, verse 9 says, For with you, meaning God, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. By His Word, we can understand the world in which we live and move and have our being. By His Word, we can see. His Word is a lamp and light to the path that we walk as God speaks to us. 
God has spoken in so many ways. This is absolutely amazing. But even in all that he said, even in all of that, it was not the fullness of what he had to say, what he would say, what he now has said. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but then there's a but. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And who is this son? As we will see throughout the book of Hebrews, it's Jesus And in these next few verses even, we get a summary of who Jesus is, a picture that the whole book of Hebrews will will blow up and just continue to unpack for us as we walk through it. Because see, what we need to recognize from the get-go of getting into this book, into Hebrews, is that Hebrews is all about Jesus, about who He is and what He's done and why that matters for you and for me. In these next few verses, we see that Jesus is Son of God sustainer and savior he is son sustainer and savior and we're going to look at these verses collectively to help us understand what the author of hebrews is talking about here and to help us to do that we're also going to look at john chapter 1 and colossians chapter 1 because john chapter 1 and colossians chapter 1 and hebrews chapter 1 talk a lot about the same things i mean that's good for us on a couple of levels It's good for us just to understand if we're studying the Bible that we can go to different places in the Bible to see a unified message. And also for those of us here this morning that that maybe are skeptical about God's Word or about God, just to see that the Bible talks about the same thing, even different authors that are writing. It all has one collective message. And so as we look at Hebrews 1, we're going to look at John 1 and Colossians 1 as well. So first we see Jesus' Son, The author of Hebrews has definitively declared that. He says in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. And we see implications of that on display here. As Son, He is heir of all things. All things belong to Him. The universe, all of creation, everything. He is the King and Lord over all of it. Sons inherit the riches of their fathers, and this eternal son has inherited the eternal inheritance of his eternal father. All that is the father's is his. Colossians 1 says that he is the firstborn and that all things were made for him, for the son. We also know that as son, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. What does that mean? It means that Jesus both shines and shows the glory of the Father to us. He shines and shows the glory of the Father to us. Glory is about the the regalness, the weightiness, the, the awesomeness, the majesty of our God. And John 1 says that through Jesus we have seen God's glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But He doesn't just radiate God's glory to us. He also is the exact imprint of His nature. He is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1 says. My two boys, Owen and Isaac, uh, love to, at different times, to pretend and play sojourn. So so they'll, they'll get it home and they'll... They'll lead worship. They're playing air guitar and singing songs, and they argue about who gets to preach. 
So they'll get up and they'll give sermons about sojourn. And they love to walk around. And just the other day, uh, Isaac put on these shoes. And he was walking around going, Welcome to church! Welcome to church! Welcome to church! And then, of course, we started laughing. So he just kept doing it. But they love to pretend to be me in those moments. But they're pretending to be me, but they aren't actually me in those moments. But see, Jesus isn't pretending to be God. He's not pretending to be God. He doesn't merely reflect God to us. He is God. Fully and completely. He has has the very essence of God. Colossians 1.19 says that in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And so what we need to see here is that when God reveals Himself to us through the Son, He speaks fully and finally to us in and through Jesus. John 1.14 says that Jesus came to dwell among us. He came to take up residence by taking on humanity. The fullness of God dwells in Him as He dwells among us. And then in John 1.18, it says that no one has ever seen God but His only Son, who is Himself God, who is at His Father's side, reveals Him to us. He makes Him known to us. He explains God to us. In other words, to see Jesus is to see what the Father is like. To see Jesus is to see what the Father is like. But Jesus is not just Son. Jesus is Sustainer. The author of Hebrews says that through Him, God created the world. And that by the word of His power, Jesus upholds the universe. This means that Jesus is the creator of the world with the Father. And John 1 and Colossians 1 are helpful again here. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. We read this earlier during our time of liturgy and the call to worship. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. This is talking about Jesus. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1 He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He upholds the universe. Colossians 1 says that He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together Every aspect of it, all things, from the biggest thing that you can think of, to the cosmos, to everything, Jesus holds it together, down to the very details of your life. Jesus goes before you, and He holds your life together. He is with you. You know, technology is a pretty amazing thing. All that we're able to do with that little computer that most of us carry around in our pocket is pretty crazy. I mean, I was just thinking about this. The fact that I can, if, if I talk to my phone from somewhat of a remote distance, if I just say, hey Siri, can you play this song or can you remind me of this thing, that my phone will talk back to me and do whatever it is. Even this morning, I was like, I'm going to give this a go. So I needed to text somebody. And so I said, hey Siri, can you text Sean Jones and tell him this? She says, sure, I'll do that. Ready to go. Send. It's crazy to me that we can, we can yell the same thing at Alexa and order books or movies or songs or whatever else we can just speak and those things come to be 
That's crazy that we're able to do that. Now, while that's all crazy, that we can do all those things with our voices, the thing we can't do is we can't create something out of nothing. We can't sustain the universe. We can't sustain life just by speaking. See, Jesus isn't holding up and sustaining the world like Atlas. He he doesn't have the globe on his back, and he's kind of like, this is heavy. I'm having a hard time with this. I need to make sure that I keep it all in order. No, he sits next to the majesty on high, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. That's insane. Jesus is the great sustainer of the universe and of you. And he does so as the final and last word of God. But that's not all that Jesus is. He's the son, he's the sustainer, but he's also savior. The author of Hebrews says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What's going on here? How how did he do this? Again, Colossians 1 is helpful. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, our sin separates us from God. It creates a relational chasm that separates us from God as we've rebelled against Him, seeking to go our own way. And it's irreparable by our own effort. Irreparable by our own striving. We can't fix our greatest problem by trying to do more or be better. Because see, this chasm is is an infinite chasm. God is high and lifted up and we are not. And this space in between here and here isn't something that we can just see or bridge that gap. It's not a matter of being on equal playing fields. God is lifted up and we are not. We've rebelled against Him and our sin has separated us from Him. And this chasm exists because we've placed ourselves at the center of the story. From the time that you and I were brought into this world, we believe both functionally and foundationally that we don't really need God. We certainly don't need His Word that we're fine being self-sufficient rulers of our own lives. And it's not really hard to see this. You can just look at the life of a two- or three-year-old and see this. See, two- and three-year-olds, they strive to be in control over their environment by doing things like refusing to eat certain foods. Moms and dads know what I'm talking about. Refusing to put on the clothes that you've set out for them. Refusing to go to the bathroom refusing to just listen to the very simple things that you're asking them to do, refusing to stay in their bed or go to sleep when you ask them to. They can't control a lot, but they try to control what they can. But the reality is you and I do the same thing as adults. Maybe we're a little bit more savvy about it, maybe a little bit more creative about it, but all of us struggle to hold on to the things that we believe are most important. We hold on to our time and our talents. We hold on to the details of our lives and our resources, and we try to control the outcome of our life because we believe that we're at the center of the story. But here's the thing, you are not at the center of your story. And that's a very good thing. 
God, the creator of all things, who is high and lifted up, he is at the center of the story. And God, who is incomprehensible, has condescended to us to make himself comprehensible by sending us his son to speak a better word. The gospel word, good news over us in this broken world. See, Jesus does not come to speak down to you. Jesus has not come to bring a bunch of rules to follow. Jesus has not come to condemn us. Jesus has not come disconnected from us. He comes as one of us, to us, to rescue us, entering into our brokenness to bring redemption by laying down his very own life for us, making peace between you and God by the blood of his cross. And see, on that cross, he declared, it is finished. All of your sin has been paid for in full. All of your shame has been destroyed. You are free by faith in what Christ has accomplished for you. And because of that, everything is changed for you. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have forgiveness of sins, in whom we have redemption. Everything has changed for you. Where you once existed in this kingdom of darkness, God has transferred you out of that through what Christ has done for you when he declared it is finished and put you in the kingdom of life and light. Because Jesus is a son. Listen, if the son has set you free, then you are free indeed. If the sustainer has set you free, then you are free indeed. If the savior has set you free, then you are free indeed. And maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. I think there's at least one person, if not multiple people in this room, that don't believe that to be true. You are free because of who Christ is and what Christ has done. It is finished. And so he sits down next to the right hand of the majesty on high. His work has been completed and accomplished. And now it is applied to your life. So rest in that freedom. See, the good thing about this is that we don't just get to talk about this this week. As we walk through the whole book of Hebrews, we're going to see the author just continue to unpack this reality of why this is such good news for you and for me. Why it's relevant for our life here and now. While this, this epic tale that's been told now for thousands of years is still being told. See, friends, what these verses tell us and what the book of Hebrews tells us is that God has spoken finally and fully in and through Jesus. His revelation that began with his creation came through his prophets and people is one that moves from promise to fulfillment that's found in Christ and him alone. In Jesus, all the promises of God find their yes and amen. See, the picture of Jesus that's set up here that unfolds in this glorious book in Scripture is a trifecta. Jesus is Son, Sustainer, and Savior. He is Prophet, Priest, and King. He is Shepherd and Sacrificial Lamb and the Lion of Judah. 
He is the one who was and who is and who is to come. He is the first, the last, and the final. As one scholar says, He is the prophet through whom God has spoken His final word. He is the priest who has accomplished a perfect work of cleansing for His people's sins. He is the king who sits enthroned in the place of chief honor alongside the majesty on high. And we will see all of this as we journey through Hebrews. See, very simply put, if you want to know who God is, and you want to know what God is like, then you find the answer in Jesus. And if you want to know who Jesus is, and what Jesus is like, then you find the answer in the book of Hebrews. See, I don't think it's surprising to any of us that we lived in a jacked up world. I don't think it's surprising to any of us that we have messiness all around us. And it's not hard for us to discover that. It's not hard for us to see that. We can flip on the news or read something online or go to social media and we can see all of those things on display. The brokenness of our world is on display. But we really don't even have to look at all of those places. We can just look into our own life and see it. See, at times we can feel scared or ashamed or overwhelmed or tired. At times we can feel angry or anxious or alone. We can feel frustrated or faint or frantic. We can feel lustful or lazy or just plain lost. See, we all need redemption. Our world needs restoration. This world needs, you need a word and a Lord to follow. And through Jesus, light has come into the world, but the world often loves the darkness more than the light. We love it more. You love it more. I love it more. And see, the problem, as we'll see throughout the book of Hebrews, is that we can have a foundational belief that Jesus is all we need. We can listen to a sermon like this and the sermons that will walk through this series and we can say, yes, I believe that to be true. At a foundational level, it's there, but functionally, it's not. Functionally, we can believe that we still need something more or different to be satisfied and made whole. And so we chase after other things to fill or distract or numb. So what is that for you? Who is that for you? What do you chase after? Knowing that there's a better word spoken over your life in Jesus, what is that thing that you run after in addition to him. Listen, the word of God manifests in and through the Son of God does not always answer the why questions or the what questions of life, but it always provides the who. So let me either remind you once again or tell you for the very first time, Jesus alone is the answer. Jesus alone is the answer. So no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey this morning, let me exhort you, let me plead with you to wholly throw yourself on Jesus. To open up your hands about whatever it is that you're grasping onto for hope or peace or security or comfort in this life. Whatever word you're listening to besides Jesus, to let those things go and throw yourself wholly on Him. 
Because he's the son, he's the savior, he's the sustainer, he is your hope and peace. And all other things in your life may pass away. Everything else in your life may be utterly lost. But Christ will not disappoint. He will not disappoint or neglect or cast you off or forsake you. Now and forever, Jesus will be. And that is who he is. So what that means is that Jesus is better. He's better than anything else this world has to offer to you. He's better than anything else this world promises to you. Jesus is better. And that's the overarching theme of the book of Hebrews. And that's where we're going over these next few months. So what do I want you to do now, though? What what, what should we do today with this? I want to give you three simple things, very short, simple things as we wrap up our time together this morning. The first thing is just to pray. I want to encourage you to be praying that God would use this sermon series in your life and in the life of our church. As we spend time walking through the book of Hebrews over the next few months, that that you would just ask God to do something that only he can do. That as his word is preached, it wouldn't be a transfer of information, but it would actually be transformational. That God would change your life because you hear the book of Hebrews preached over you. Let's pray for the Spirit to do that. Let's pray for Him to bring revival in our own hearts and lives and in this community and then out of these walls into the city of Fairfax and all over northern Virginia and all over the world as we receive His Word. Pray that God would actually help you believe that Jesus is better. Start now praying for that. Maybe for you today, it's praying in response to the invitation that Jesus gives to you. That you would respond in faith to follow Jesus, to know Jesus. Praying today that God would save you today from your sin and shame and make you brand new. And if that's where you find yourself, if God's doing something in your heart and your life right now, I want to invite you to respond to that even now as you sit in your seat as we continue our time of worship today, that you would respond to his invitation of grace, believing that Jesus is all of those things, that he is the son and the sustainer and the savior and that you need him. So let's pray. Church, go to him in prayer that he might be known and exalted in your life. I also want us to prepare. Take time to read through the book of Hebrews. Familiarize yourself with God's Word as you come each week. Read through Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to be in chapter 1 again next week. Familiarize yourself with the text that we're going to be looking at. I've mentioned this before, but there's this cool new app out called Streetlights. Go on the App Store, whatever device you have, and download the Streetlights app. They have Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews, you can just listen to the audio of it. And it has some music in the background to it. It's just something good just to see God's Word just wash over you. Just listen to God's Word. Read God's Word. Familiarize yourself with it. And then, let me encourage you to come prepared. Come expectant. Come eager to receive what God has for you. To worship together and receive His preached Word. Believing that in and through it, He will encourage you and convict you and transform you. Come with expectation. And thirdly, praise. Man, this truth about Jesus, it stirs my affections for him. Does it stir your affections for him? 
Is this old news for you? Or is this refreshing news to you this morning? That God has spoken finally and fully to us in and through Jesus. Does it stir your heart? Because see, the book of Hebrews is a refreshing place to be, to rest, to see worship produced. And so today, we're going to end our time doing that. What I hope that the Word has already begun producing, dwelling up within you even now that our souls and our hearts are stirred with exaltation and joy and elatedness, that we can know the living God. That that chasm has been closed because of what Christ has done for us. And we can do what Edward talked about last week. We can praise the Lord because salvation has come. That we can respond in excitement because the last word has been spoken by our God through His Son and He has declared over you, it is finished. So to begin our time in response to worship and praise, we're going to come to the table to eat and drink the communion meal. A meal that declares this last word over you that Jesus paid it all. That our God has repaired the breach of our sin. That he has remedied our predicament. That he has saved you. This meal speaks a better word over you this morning. The new covenant has been enacted through the body and blood of Jesus. And so as we eat the bread, a picture of Christ's body broken for us, we do so in celebration that our sin has been paid for. And as we drink the cup, A picture of Christ's blood shed for us. We revel in the reality that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. So come forward this morning. Come to the tables in the front or in the back. Tear off a piece of bread. Take one of the small cups to drink. But do so with joy. Do so with thankfulness in your hearts that at many times and in many ways God has spoken to us through the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. And then let's lift our voices together in praise to our great God. If you're not a follower of Christ, we would just ask you this morning not to come forward to receive the bread and the cup. And the reason for that is because this doesn't do anything for you. We want you to take Christ. We want you to experience that grace by just, like I said, just praying to God and asking Him to save you. Asking Him to reveal Himself to you. And if you're ready to do that, you can do that during this time. Just pray and ask God to do that. My hope is that you'll become a new follower of Christ and that next week you can come forward with your brothers and sisters and celebrate the fact that Christ has paid for your sin in full. And if you have questions about what it means to know Jesus or follow Jesus, man, I hope you know this is a safe place for you. This community welcomes you. We're glad that you're here. And we would love to journey with you in that. So let somebody know you're here and let us help you on that journey to Jesus. So those of you that will come forward, come forward when you're ready and let's sing loudly and joyfully to our great God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we praise the fact, the truth, the reality that Jesus is the Son and the Sustainer and the Savior and that because of that, Jesus is better. Lord, I pray even now as a church family and a church community that you would help us to believe that to be true. Lord, I pray that you would help us to believe in our own life as we go about this week, whether it's tomorrow morning as we're getting up and starting our day or a 
Thursday afternoon when the week is just grinded on us, Lord, that we would remember and believe that Jesus is better. As temptation comes our way, that we would believe that Jesus is better. As we're confronted with the brokenness of our life in this world, that we would believe that Jesus is better. And so, Father, we pray that you do that work in us. Use this sermon series in our lives, not because we have eloquent people preaching your word, but because your word is living and active. So, Lord, we pray that you use it to bring about transformation, bring revival. Help us to respond today in praise for salvation has come and the last word has been spoken. It is finished and we are free. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.